0: Walker here, Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, represent.
1: This is Bob Bradley, and you're listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Hey, this is John
2: Thorrington, and
1: you're listening
2: to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast.
3: Hi, guys, my name is Jaime Camille, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast.
2: I'm Larry
4: Friedman, and
2: you're
5: listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Hi, everybody, it's Max Prados, and you are listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, second to none. Bringing you the LAFC gospel. Hey, what's
6: up, everybody? This is Alexis Guerreros. I'm the fat guy on the Cooligans. You're listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast.
7: Hello and welcome to episode
1: 100
7: of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We are truly blessed to have reached this milestone of 100 episodes. We may not be the first in the Black and Gold pod fam to have achieved this mark. However, it is still a landmark event for us, given the nature of how we do this show and interview format. And we would like to start this show by thanking each and every one of our guests, thanking each and every one of our listeners, and all of the people who have helped make this show happen. We never ever would have reached 100 episodes were it not the support of people in the community willing to come forward and speak to us, and were it not for every single one of you beautiful and amazing listeners out there that continue to patron and support this show throughout the years, Thank you, thank you so much to each and every one of you. We thought it only appropriate on our 100th episode to bring in a man to interview today who has been behind every episode of Shoulder to Shoulder podcast since episode seven. He is the man behind the board, the myth, the legend himself. Today's guest, you guessed it, is none other than sound engineer Wilton. We could not think of a better person to pay homage to as we hit the century mark, Than the man who has gotten very little credit and absolutely no mic time throughout the course of 90 plus episodes he has been on the show we are more than thrilled to be bringing you the story of none other than wilton perez our legendary sound engineer for tonight's episode but first and foremost i want to go around the room and get a little bit of reaction some feels some words from two men who have become such an integral part of my life and two of my closest friends and i'm so happy to have met you Gentlemen, happy 100, Mr. Christopher Signs and Christian Aparicio.
8: It's good times, guys, 100. This is uh, you know, a lot of fun. Love it. Here's to 100 more.
6: Yeah, no, I'm excited that we're able to have this episode and have Wilton as the guest as well. Um, when we first started this, I didn't think we'd get to 100. I honestly didn't know what it would become. But it, it, like you said, it's an integral part of my life, and I've established lifelong friendships because of it. I have become friends and built relationships with people I wouldn't have otherwise without the podcast uh, because of a football team. And to me, those are all things that can be taken away, and I plan on to continue building with you all and with the listeners and with the LAFC community.
8: Before we get started, I got to give a huge shout out. The whole theme of this show is obviously we're going to do the recap of the Sporting Kansas City match, and we're going to... Talk about what we expect to see from RSL and Austin, um, the midweek match next week. And then obviously we have the interview, but we're also going to be recapping the last 100 episodes. And we're going to be talking about some of our favorite moments throughout the episode. And I have to give a huge shout out to our brother in pod, Philly Philemon from Defenders of the Bank. You know, it was during the MLS All-Star Week, Christian was talking to me, Philly was talking to me at... Uh, one of the all-star game events and he was like man you guys are coming up on episode 100 what are you guys gonna do and i was like ah oh, we've talked about a couple of different ideas but we don't really know and he was like you know you guys have had some great guests you guys should think about recapping some of your guys's favorite episodes and you know that's exactly what we're doing so you know thanks for dropping us the idea philly and we
7: appreciate it and
8: we wouldn't be doing this episode without you bro so
7: thank you this show is about community this moment is about Community. It's not about the four of us who bring this podcast to you, trying to be week in and week out sporadically, to be honest. Uh, it's about all of us. It's about everyone in the black and gold community. At times, it's about everyone in the LA community or the global soccer community. It touches on so many different things that simply require an entire network of voices to make happen and that's one of the the most beautiful things about this show and why i find it to be so unique and so fulfilling within the space and obviously much love to to all the pods out there we've gotten shout outs on you know defenders and heart of lafc recently congratulating us on reaching the century mark and so You know, thank you to each of those shows. Uh, We continue to be as big a fans and as big a consumers of our fellow pods as we are intent on creating a great episode week in and week out for you guys here. We have some really fun ideas about how we can tweak the show and do some fun stuff starting with episode 101, but we thought we would just take episode 100 and kind of pause and reflect on all the stories that we've heard up until this point. But before we get into that, gentlemen... For the first time in a month and a half, LAFC got a win in a game in which none of us were predicting that LAFC was going to come out on top. Not only did they come out on top, we had an absolute thrashing 4-0 of a team expected to be at the very tippy top of the Western Conference up there with the likes of the Seattles of the world at the end of this season. But we put an absolute barbecue sauce spanking on kansas city and i'm curious what you guys took of the b squad going out there and giving it to an a team
8: are we are we really calling this a b squad
7: i, I mean it kind of is I, I, think it's, I think it's safe to say that that was the consensus amongst the community i think i'm if, open to you if you remember
8: if you remember it last week we spoke about Who was on the roster and who was playing in the match? Let me tell you, sir, there is no way that this is a B squad. We had a bunch of starting 11 players. Let me just pull up the uh, actual starting 11. The Arango, he's the starter, right? Edwards has been a starter. Atuesta, Blessing, Janela, he... Uh, so, I mean, you want to say... Janela, okay. what are
6: you talking about? Janella no, no, no. Regular. So, I'm
8: saying... No, no, no. Yeah. So, I'm saying... So, I'm going through this list. Uh, Ibiaga, Fall, Mario, and uh, Romero, right? So, uh, Romero's a starter. Moody's a starter. Fall is a starter. Fall is only a starter because of injuries, though. Hey, bro. Fall is a starter. Ibiaga is a... He, he's a he, Ibiaga was no. a starter for NYCFC. Get out of here. Not he's a starter. No, okay. But he's not he's not a B, is he is a not a he's not a B player, is what I'm saying, though. He could be a starter for a different team in, in this league. Like okay, okay, I'll give so, you a B plus because half over half the team was not. Oh my god, I, I will
7: I will say that six out of the eleven would be in our starting eleven if we had a full healthy squad.
8: Okay, and you'd, so then and you take six. so then, and that's with no DPs, and you would have to assume that a designated player would be uh, in a starting 11 position if you allocate your resources properly. So what do we add now? Nine? So because yeah. we had to put in two players that are not in our starting 11, we're just going to automatically write the starting 11 as a B squad. Bro, get out of here. Where, get out of all,
7: right, all right. All right. I'm here. I'm going to defend my case here for just one sec. So at the start of the season, the 11 that we planned on having in there week in and week out, was Rossi, Raito, Vela up top, right? We had none of those. You know, in the midfield, I will agree, Atuesta, obviously, starter needs to be out there. But I would say that Sifu, not there. I'll give you Blessing, although Blessing hasn't always made it into the starting 11 when we had a completely healthy team. The back line, I, I mean, I'm going to say that, I don't know, I, I don't consider Fall a starter, I mean, he filled in. He may have earned a starting role for next season, but he wasn't the person we planned on being our starting center back at the beginning. He would just
6: sign the day we talked to John Thurrington.
8: We talking about,
7: right? I mean, (laughs) no one drafted that at the beginning of the season, neither outside back.
8: No. Okay. It's not how you, it's not how you, it's not how you start. I'm talking about the quality of the player in the league. You know, I don't see I, I I don't see these players being bench players if they were put
7: on a different team. I, do. And, and I can buy I can, I can live with that. I can live with that's your opinion. But I mean, considering what our depth chart was at the beginning of the season versus where we have ended up now, you know, I'm only seeing, you know, maybe three or four players on there that I would say are our first team players as we saw it on the depth chart. So we've had to go to a second option and I'm referring to call that second option a B. That's, that's where I arrive at a B squad.
8: Okay. Anyways, I think that for a B squad, as you want to call it, this team was lights out, you know, first of all to put up four when we had a hard time putting up more than two in the week prior against the galaxy, we had finally been able to put up three not only were the was this squad able to put up three, they put up four. And for us having all of our defensive woes, we blanked Sporting Kansas City. I mean, right now, when you look at the table in the MLS, Sporting Kansas City is in the top in the West. Or maybe they're not anymore. Let me see this table. They're in third. But they're only two points behind Seattle, who's in first. Colorado is in second with 41 points, so they're one point ahead sporting. I can't see people labeling this as a B squad when you see the way that they had performed and what sort of damage they had done on the pitch.
6: Having a good game doesn't make you an A squad, I will say that. Like, going into this game, I wouldn't say anyone was calling this, oh, this is this is LAFC really going to take it to sporting KC. By the way, my favorite kind of sauce is barbecue sauce, so like that reference the last thing i'll say is i think we learned from the match earlier in the month or the month of august where we got routed at home by them right so the game plan and their tendencies were very well observed and thwarted and i think that no one really accounted for fall's ability to be good in in the air i think that was something that we exposed and kind of put them on the back foot and put him behind two goals. You know, the only goal that he scored was taken away because of VAR, which I don't agree with. But he was able to kind of put those two goals on the board for us. And um, I think that opened up our confidence and put us on the front foot. I think, I think defensively we were just solid and we we didn't give him too many chances. They had a few that I think on, on their good day they may have scored, but I think we would have outscored him if the game goes on the way it, it did. Uh, At this point, I think what was good, too, that I liked is Chicho was able to score again in the run of play, and I think he took that well. He got it out of his feet real quick and put it kind of unorthodoxly with wrong-footed shot, but he had to do it quickly. Keeper couldn't manage. I think Mazovsky, he should be the B-squad starter if this kind of situation happens again. I think Cal Jennings has had his shots, maybe because of fitness has been preferred, but I think Mazovsky was causing habit. Maybe his touch wasn't great, but his awareness, his speed, his pressure was good, and it caused a PK, had an assist. So all in all, I think the team overperformed my expectations, but I welcome that. I thought it was going to be kind of a squeaker. Um, I was optimistic before the game, a tie or a 2-1 win, but not in any way shape or form a 4-0 victory if anyone was out there that kind of put that bet down I think they should bet on the Super Bowl now pick that because it it would be someone being a liar to be honest with you I don't think anyone had that expectation for a 4-0 or even like a 2-0 victory
8: no and I you know last week Jonathan and I had talked about it and I I had said that I felt like LASU should play conservatively and Um, Almost like in theory, kind of park the bus and, and just walk away with like a tie, given the fact that I felt like our attacking ability was going to be stifled. But I was severely wrong and I have to admit that I was wrong. And I do. But I do think that, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what we look like against RSL.
7: Hold on. Let's stop and talk about how right you were on the last episode, real quick, because you predicted a five three two. That was one hundred percent you. We have never played a five three two. You predicted a five three two, and lo and behold, what did we get? Five three two. So I have to.
8: I think I said a three five two, or did I? I Don't know. I kind of the same that anyway. Same thing.
7: (laughs) I mean, what phase of the game your outside backs are in? is really but you accurately predicted the change in formation to something we hadn't seen before and you deserve all the credit for that because that that was an absolutely brilliant thing that you did it did end up kind of working its way into like a 3412 when we were in offense which i really liked seeing which is which is very close to you know christmas tree style which is kind of my favorite formation but it was incredibly effective now Let's let's reel this positive energy back in just a little bit. And I want to kind of play Deadvil's advocate or at least have a question for the two of you about how much stock we can really put in this game. Because it was only one-nothing LAFC when the red card got shown. And so the remaining three goals that we scored after that were all against a team that was a man down. Yes. We had a squad that had some players that we don't normally see had some fight in it. So it's not exactly the starting 11 that we're anticipating seeing once everyone returns to fitness and returns from international duty. So how much can we really take stock in what we witnessed in this game and how much of it is just an anomalous good time?
8: Well, let's okay. So I think that when you look at the three goals that had transpired after the red card, one was a set piece, one was a penalty, and one was the goal from Orongo. I think the set piece, Christian might be able to talk more on this, but you know, if you're man marking at that point and you know you're a man down, I, I think that there's a way for you to try and account for everybody, especially when you don't have a man on the, the person who's giving the free kick.
7: Yeah, you're it, not taking it, a defender out when you go down. Right, so right. your so set the, piece defense should be the same.
8: Your set piece of defense should be the same. So I feel like the second goal to fall is earned. The penalty to uh, Atuesta, or the penalty that Atuesta ended up scoring on. I think a penalty in the box is a penalty in the box. Would it have been different based on having that, their 11th player on the pitch? Maybe, but I still think that it was an aggressive tackle and it, you know, it Can is. Can we talk it,
7: about? That miss by Blessing at the back end of that play, though, real quick. I mean, <laughs> that was, I was very happy that the penalty was called. It was a deserved penalty. You know, the keeper came in on Mazowski's feet there, and he goes down. But then Blessing has a tap-in, albeit from a difficult angle. But he fluffed it, and thank goodness it didn't matter. Right. And so,
8: again, I think that the penalty was an opportunity that was earned. And the goal that Chicho Rungo had, I mean that I can't I can't defend that to say that that would not have been affected differently if there had been an eleventh man on the pitch for SKC. So I still so then at least I can justify three goals. I I mean I think
6: I think if you extrapolated the way the game was trending, I think it would have been a win. Maybe two one three one is kind of what I would have predicted. I think they would have pulled one back uh, if they had their in midfield intact. Uh, but one thing I would p- point out is. Let's not forget that at KC, we were winning. And the only reason they kind of turned that game around is on a red card. So I think Peter Vermees and Bob kind of have these classic matchups and it's either a really close game or kind of a blowout. It's kind of what I've noticed this season between the two two teams. Another thing I think that was in our favor and it could have been against us too is the unpredictability of this team kind of being newish and not played together. So I don't think Peter Vermees was able to game plan for us versus Bob Bradley being able to game plan for them, because I think they're only missing Iliad, who is their best striker. So they had a little less firepower, but for the most part, they had the stronger team and the more intact team in terms of who they have available in the regular season. So I think if they kind of play with this energy, it'll be a little bit more difficult because RSL will probably look at the tape but uh, I think we've, we've gotten some advantages. We can play a little bit more conservatively if we have good set pieces. I also think if, if Mamadou Fall continues to be kind of a focal point on set pieces, it'll open up Murillo and some of the other guys to not have their strongest markers. So just having that kind of threat, it'll be important to be able to put pressure on the other team versus I feel like in the past, teams know that they're going to be able to mark us and don't, don't really worry about set pieces from LAFC as much and then open up other piece parts of the game uh, when it's difficult to be able to pull goals back or go ahead because of it and then it open up uh, them having to attack us and that's when we play better right when they're when they're more open uh, LAFC has uh, been able to take advantage of those situations and put goals away now that we have confidence the last thing I'll say is even though I love Rossi I think Kay and Rossi because of these impending kind of Moves that they wanted. I think there was kind of a dark cloud around their performances that was clouding everyone else's performance. And with Rossi out, I think people felt a little bit more of fresh air and an opportunity, and they seized on it. And I'm happy that that's the case. That he was able to move on and do what he wants to do with his career. Um, But it's also giving opportunities to to some of the other that are here and hungry to kind of perform and you know play that LAFC style that we're used to.
7: I was having a conversation with someone in the community about how I feel like this game, we didn't have any players on the pitch that were playing for the transfer or playing for the immediate next contract, right? We've talked about that with Vela. We've talked about that with Rossi. We've talked about that with Raito, that they're pressing because they know the transfer is either imminent and they're fighting for it or they're playing for the next contract. And now that there is that, Rossi sized monkey off the back of this locker room and they don't have to worry about that ongoing drama playing out, which Bob alluded to during the Mark Anthony K departure that, you know, the prospect of players leaving was weighing on the mind of people still in the locker room. And then JT and Bob echoed those sentiments after Rossi left. So I do think that there is a weight lifted off the team And perhaps this is the culmination of some of that emotion. I'm hard-pressed, however, to think that there's too much that we can extrapolate from this game. Yes, the emergence of Mamadou Fall is clearly the biggest piece of it, but I just don't know how much we can really take away in this case because, let's be honest, if matches were 60 minutes long, LAFC would be in first place. It's those final 30 minutes of the game where we tend to have this, we give up goals, right? Uh, We let games slip away from us. We have this ability to have everything in our hands and then it falls apart. And I think the red card completely changed whether or not we could see if this particular starting 11 was able to overcome that. So I don't know if it taught us a whole lot about our ability to defend late in games, which has been the biggest challenge for LAFC this year. So fantastic game, love it. Anytime you put a 4-0 thrashing out there, beautiful game. Absolutely beautiful game. It was so much, so much fun in the north end to see people just relieved. And, you know, it was sad to see the stadium as sparse as it was. You could see the, the losses and the lack of winning has really gotten to a lot of people. And there weren't a lot of people in the bowl. As I was looking around the stadium, that's the emptiest I think I've ever seen it for a weekend match. Hopefully this brings the people back in and, and we have a really good game on Sunday versus RSL. So I'm curious, what starting 11 do you guys think we're going to see versus RSL? What are your predictions for the upcoming match this weekend?
6: I think they should run it back. Same starters. Let's see let's see if they can continue on this trend or make a real case for themselves to, to be considered for a starting you know, positions once the full squad is back from international break. But I don't see a reason why we should change the approach much. Um, I like the way we played. I like the effort. I obviously like the way we executed uh, in terms of goals. And then we were able to keep a clean sheet. So I think a way to reward and continue to motivate the players that were able to perform is to give them another opportunity to, 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 to do so again.
8: Yeah, I I agree. I think that uh, especially now that you'll have another week of of practice and working together, I think that uh, there's value in the current uh, players that we have. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I think RSL will be able to better prepare like you had mentioned against us rather than how SKC had. But I also think too that RSL is not uh, of the same caliber that SKC is. So I'm confident about us Going
7: into this match. So this is RSL's third game going to be their third game with the new coach. So they're still implementing a system. They're still figuring out some new ideas. This will be our second game with, I don't believe we're getting anyone back from international duty or from injury for this weekend, or at least not that I've heard of. So it's probably, I think I would have to agree with you boys. It's going to be the same starting 11 or a very similar starting 11 to what we saw versus SKC. I'm really fascinated to see if Bob does the five, three two, four three one two, whatever you want to call it. Again, I really found that to be a fascinating formation. and I'm hoping that we continue to roll with that because it was incredibly effective at least for the first half versus SKC before things got out of hand and we really don't know what happened there. RSL, I think we've played them eight times. We've beat them six times and we've lost twice. I don't think we've ever tied against them. Just kind of an interesting statistic that someone always seems to come away with the win when we face them. So, do you guys think it's going to be winning ways? Are we going to go ahead and start a winning streak? A tie? What are you expecting as far as the final?
8: I always expect LSU to win, right? Every match. I never. At least this team is not giving me a reason to expect them to have a loss. Uh, I still feel confident about uh, on any given day as long as our players play their their roles the way they're supposed to play we'll beat any team in the mls hands down like i it, it, if we have our players that are supposed to be there the starting players our designated players our ones on international duty uh, i'm always confident and especially even though i know we don't have those some of those players um for this this match this weekend i do feel that um just how we played against skc this last week that that's going to give a, a lot of the players confidence, and it's going to carry on in uh, to uh, Salt Lake City.
6: I think they'll win. I think it'll be either a two-one or a three-one. The crowd's going to be there supporting. I think the youngsters are going to perform again. I think their confidence is high, and I think that's what they need when they're younger in their careers. And then some of the the more established players are going to be able to kind of guide and set the tempo up in the right way. I think Chicho's going to score a brace. That's my prediction.
7: Right. I like all those predictions. I'm going to go ahead and throw a wrench in this whole thing real quick and say, immediately following RSL, we head to Austin for an away day in Austin. That is three days after our match versus RSL with such a quick turnaround before we head on the road. Now, I know Austin has not been the strongest of teams this year, but they're a talented team as far as the pieces within that squad, probably a year or two away from being able to formulate the kind of roster that's going to be very competitive. But those are not hospitable confines. Their stadium Q2 has been loud. It has a great atmosphere to it. And it's not necessarily the easiest place to go in and get results just given its atmosphere. So with the really, really quick turnaround of just two days off between RSL and Austin, we're obviously not going to get a chance to put out episode 101 before that Austin game. So what are your predictions for Austin? What starting 11 tweaks would you make from this weekend? Or are you simply pulling people early this weekend so that they're fresh to go again. Three days later,
8: I think that it's all going to be based on how the the match goes in RSL. If it's close and it's tight and it's you know one nil or uh, somebody's up by one or what have you, I think that we're going to play a competitive and try and win that match out. I think that if we're blowing them out or if we're getting blown out, that things will get reevaluated and Bob might look to save some players' uh, energy so that they can play again on uh, Wednesday.
6: Yeah, I know. I agree. So it, it depends on the game situation. You got to write out the the win if it's in grasp or the tie and then kind of plan for Austin thereafter, depending on fitness and injuries. So at this point, every point is precious. So we can't plan too far ahead of where we are, especially with so many players out in international duty or injured.
8: Well, and just to give you some heads up too, right? Um, I'm going to look it up exactly to see who... LAFC loaned out but LAFC loaned out players today for Las Vegas. Farfan, Cristhomo, Jennings and Traore are uh, have been loaned out today for the Las Vegas Heights match. So that means that they may not be available or or maybe they'll come off of the bench um, for the match on Sunday.
6: Yeah, the I, the way I see that is keeping them in game fitness to probably use them in Austin. Right? We we might bring them back in time to be on the bench. For the weekend, but really you just want to shake off any rust and give them some competitive minutes in case we need them for that Austin trip.
7: It's a really brutal time in the schedule to have this back-to-back games basically during the international window, a very frustrating piece of the MLS scheduling process to see these games so close to one another. We need these six points. We've got to get at least four points, have to get four points, And really, frankly, need six points from these two games if we're going to start talking about LAFC as being a playoff contender. You know, as it is right now, we're still really struggling to convince anyone that this is a team that is playoff bound, given our run of form at the moment. So there's only a few games left after this. We are still currently sitting in ninth place. We have 27 points on the season. Seventh place, which is RSL has 30 points. So if we win RSL, we will be tied with them for that seventh and final spot in the playoffs. So whenever you're playing teams like RSL and Austin, it's almost a must six points at this point in the season, given where LAFC are at and given who we have to play throughout the rest of the season, you know, we still have games versus Portland, Seattle, Carson, difficult games where points are not expected i really think we need two more wins to recap by the time we get back to the show if we're talking about feeling comfortable in a playoff position so i'm going to ask you guys one final question about these games are these must win games if we're going to make the playoffs
8: every game right now is a must win game right like i had said that about the galaxy game you know every game right now is a must win game we don't have the luxury of Waiting, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, the length of the season, what have you, you know, it's crunch time. We have limited amounts of games. And if we don't start winning games, and let's say by chance, we end up falling into the playoffs. If we don't have that momentum, we're not going to last very long in the playoffs. These are must-win games because it's building our confidence, building our momentum, and giving us a better position in the playoffs. So, it, in my opinion, they're all must-win games for the rest of the season.
6: Statistically, it's not right, it must-win game. But I think if you want to control your own destiny, all the games should be approached that way. MLS is so wild; you you never know. I feel like in the last two months here, who's gonna do what? Who's gonna drop points? And um, who like the seven seed can very well come out of the West. I think the West is stronger than it seems. I know it's top heavy point wise, but I think any team could beat any team at any given weekend. So as long as we can get in there and the only way to control that is to approach each game, like as a must win from the here on out.
7: So I believe there are 12 games left in the season. RSL, Austin, Portland, San Jose, Portland, again, Carson, San Jose, Dallas, Minnesota, Seattle, Vancouver, Colorado. So 12 games left in the season. LAFC are currently sitting at 27 points. And we know it takes roughly 40 points to be clear into the playoff zone. So we need 13 points from 12 games. So we got to average a little bit more than a point a game throughout the rest of the season. If we're going to be at that 40 point mark, which who knows if that's actually going to determine who makes the playoffs or not. Most often, 40 points is is good to get you into the playoffs. So that's about a point a game from here on out. So I suppose you're right. Must win is, is not exactly the conversation we're in yet. But with two games versus Portland, a game versus Seattle, a game versus Carson, difficult teams in which we've had a difficult time beating of late it's hard not to see these games as six points that would really take a lot of pressure off the rest of the season. So it's going to be a really fun week. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. We're going to get ready to go ahead and bring in the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Wilton Perez, greatest sound engineer in the history of podcasting gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts on our four 0 victory or our two upcoming matches before we get a chance to speak to the man behind the board himself?
8: Yeah. For anybody that's going out to Austin you know, have a good time, be safe, especially to, you know, say hi to the, our friends in Los Verde, and, uh, you know, travel pack. stay safe, same thing with RSL. Uh, but uh, yeah, it should be fun. Should be, should be a good uh, four days of football.
6: Well said, nothing else to add there.
7: I, I don't think fans have to worry too much about incoming RSL fans for this weekend's game. And, and one thing I will say is that, you know, Austin FC, you have had some really great relations with LAFC and everyone I've talked to that's had any experience with the Austin fans has always been overwhelmingly positive. So I would just, you know, hit some people up, uh, hit up La Murga, hit up Los Verdes and, and try and hang out with some of those cats. They were super nice to us when they came out here, you know, hit up Jay Torres if, if you want to get an in with Los Verdes and, you know, hopefully you have a really good time hanging out with those cats. If you get a chance to go out to Texas, uh, be safe, wear your mask, have a good time. And let's go ahead and transition this show to speak to the fourth member of the pod who you rarely get a chance to hear from. We would like to bring on none other than the man, the myth, the legend himself, a person who deserves all the honorifics of this glorious centennial episode for all of our fans, the man who makes it happen. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. Sound engineer Wilton Perez.
9: Yay, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to be working with you guys in this podcast. I have learned a lot from the team. You guys converted me and you guys just delivered that passion into me to follow LFC. The team and and the fans and the community and it's just been such an honor to get to know the team
7: it's obviously been an honor for each and every single one of us to have you with us throughout this entire journey most people don't realize that when we sit in a room and the three of us are chatting with a guest that there's someone else there in the room who has remained silent
4: for
7: (laughs) 93 94 episodes and we finally get to hear his voice so wilton look brother we love you thank you so much for being on this journey with each and every one of us i mean None of this could happen without you. And it's certainly so appropriate that we pay homage to you at this time. And people need to know the man behind it all. Thank you. Just, you know, on behalf of the three of us, So, Chris and Christian going to say their piece here in a second. But uh, it's been just a pleasure to meet you, to know you, to befriend you, to have you in my life and in my circle now nothing but positive has come in my life from having met you, brother. And I'm so happy that we finally get to hear your story.
6: Well, I'm happy you're able to jump on today, Wilton. When trying to convince you, and it took us getting to 100 to get you on, I'm happy that, you know, the only reason we sound good, and I think you've gotten better over time is because of one, your engineering of how we sound. And also, I think you kind of uh, do a good job of giving us hints here and there over time. So I think you've gotten better, we've gotten better. And then I think our experience has gotten better in terms of our teamwork. And uh, I think this helped us get through a weird year and a half so far. So glad you're able to jump on and tell us more about your experience here soon.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I remember when Christian first had made the suggestion, you know, when we first started doing the show, we figured out in the first two episodes that Christian and I had no idea how to do any editing <laughs> and it was just taking us so, so long to do it. And then we had brought somebody in who had helped us out with the first couple of episodes. And then Christian goes, Hey man, I got a guy that uh, that can help us out and is willing to help record our episodes and this that, and the other. And I was like, Oh, okay. Tell me about him. And he goes, well, he's a galaxy fan. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I was like, uh, all right, bro, whatever, we need help editing. So, you know, hopefully he, he makes us sound good. And, you know, it's just, we've come a long way and we feel some really good friendships and, you know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun. And I just want to say, you know, obviously we're here interviewing Wilson, but again, to you guys too, man, thanks. It's, it's been a wild ride and, you know, it's, it's one of the best things that's going in my life that's outside of my family, you know? And, and so it's just, want to say thanks to everybody and all of our fans and everybody that's listened and come on our show and stuff like that. It's just to everybody. You guys are making my personal LAFC experience so much better because of everything that you guys have brought to me and every, all of our listeners and all of our guests. And it's just it's been a great, great opportunity.
7: All right. So the cat's out of the bag. Chris said it, Wilton. Let's talk about when <laughs> football enters your life and let's find out how it is that you were succumb under the spell of the hated ones down in Carson. So, brother, tell us a little bit about your first memories of the beautiful game.
9: Football has been around the family for a long time. My dad was a soccer fan, soccer player back in Guatemala. Nothing professional, but, you know, that fan of soccer was always there within the family. Started playing in the in Pasadena local city is Billow Park. I never played professional or I just played in the in the Billow Park. Even up to two, three years I still played, but I got injured. So that's when soccer just kind of was a pause for me now. You know, just kind of working out and just doing exercise now. But soccer has always been in our family. My little brother plays soccer. I play soccer. That's how soccer started in our family. And regarding, I guess I became a Galaxy fan. I mean, I wasn't really uh, consider myself a fan-fan of Galaxy. Kind of like a casual fan. There wasn't really much other teams to support. So might as well, you know, you have the Lakers for basketball. You have the Dodgers for baseball. For soccer, since I love soccer, I'm like, well, might as well go for Galaxy. But it wasn't really like a passionate thing. It was more like a casual, casual fan. I would tell you how much of a fan I became of LFC. That in one season I went to LFC games than that I've ever been in Galaxy games. I would just go to like special occasions, probably like you know Fourth of July special occasions games that I would just pop up. But whenever I was there, I, I didn't feel like part of it. You know, I was just like there watching the game. Like, yeah, you know they played good. They had um Pescarito Ruiz, you know he's the Guatemalan, and you know supporting big players David Beckham. But it was just like more show, you know Donovan. Of course, um was a good player, but it wasn't nothing like that passion that I feel for LAFC, like and for each player, you know. The first time that I went to the bank, I actually, Christian was like, hey, you know, I invite you, just, you know, come over. You know, you could just be neutral. You don't have to wear LLC, You don't have to wear nothing. Just come, come, come in. And we are on the south side of the stadium. As soon as I walked into that stadium and I saw the north end, I was in love. I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like, I love this. Like, I love the passion, you know? And um, I love the fans, you know? It was just like, each LAFC fan that I've bumped into, they're just so passionate for it. And when I went to Galaxy, I never really saw that. And I was just like, there's something missing there, you know? I feel like welcome. I feel part of it, even though I was kind of rejecting it at first. But people just made me feel comfortable. So it's just, you know, it made me fall in love more with the game and with the
7: team. Do you support any teams back in Guatemala, the national team? Are there any other teams throughout the world, Europe, that you support as well, too?
9: Guatemala, they're not that good. So uh, there's no hope there. I gave up on them. (laughs) My mom's from El Salvador. They're doing okay. You know, I watch the national games, but no team necessarily. Go for Barça. It's sad to see Messi leave, but... I guess I'm not really, like, a fan-fan that I, just like LAFC is just, I love watching it. And, you know, last time LAFC was losing, and then my girlfriend was like, why are we even watching it? They're losing, like, it was, like, 4-0, I don't know, it was, like, a couple games back. And I'm like, just because, you know, we're fans, it's like, we're hearing good and bad, you know. we If they're going to lose 10-0, we'll still be there watching, you know. So uh besides lafc that passion that i have for lafc I, I would just say lafc barcelona i see once in a while
7: so we know you were introduced to this show through christian so why don't you take us a little backstory how did you meet christian and how did you guys become friends
9: christian is brother in law's friend and they went to school together and we met through my brother-in-law and you know through events birthday parties and stuff like that we're having i believe it was my sister's baby shower and then Christian was there, and he was like, "Hey, you know, listen." Christian's like kind of evangelizing everyone. Listen to my podcast. You know, I started this podcast, and then you know, I was outside with my music. I had my, my laptop and my speakers, and he, I'm like, "Oh no, that's cool! Like, I'll check it out." You know, and then I I told Christian, "Hey, Christian, like, I'm, I'm a sound engineer. Like, I could help you guys with the edits whenever you guys need help." So that's how I, I started. So he's like, "Yeah, listen to it. Let let me know what you think." And then um, whenever we need help, we'll we'll
6: call you it literally happened like soon thereafter <laughs> like the guy the guy that we <laughs> about at the beginning was super flaky we have I've known wilton for some time but it was more casual I feel like because of the podcast on lafc our friendship has grown also um, sure. it was more in passing or whenever his, his brother-in-law my friend Kevin and his wife or his sister kathy had like like family gatherings or extended family gatherings that's when we would hang out like I, and there was no interaction beyond that but now like we'll text each other often and uh we we obviously interact because of the, the podcast and work together that way so uh, and it's another friendship that kind of blossomed because of the sport and that's just my perspective and i don't think I've, i would have gone to know wilton the way i do or we do now because because of, of uh football and lafc
7: your friend hits you up and says hey i'm recording this podcast I want you to come over to my house and do an episode. So take us through your first episode with the boys and what that experience was like behind the scenes.
9: Oh, the first episode, I was really nervous, not on the recording part of it. It was more like, this was like actually my first podcast, my first, I will say gig out of sight, out of what I do in my daily life. So I was really excited to come and record because for me, I'm recording, editing, music is my passion. So, uh, I mean, I was excited to start recording and editing and, you know, this has helped my skills. It has helped me keep up with my skills with editing. You know, now I could look at a certain wave and I'm like, this is something that I need to edit. And just because I've seen this so many times that I've, okay, this sounds like it's going to be an edit. So I'll just go and edit it. That's how good I have become. And so I was so nervous. First day, I had my microphone. I had my stand, my cables. And you guys had a couple other equipment ready. And I just went and connected. And I was there. You know, I, I set up and... And I remember just kind of like giving some instructions, like you're close enough to the microphone and yeah, it, it was a, a good experience for me.
8: I, I remember those early days, right? Like we had our mixer, right? Because I, had, you know, this was still, it was like what episode seven is when you started, right? And so yeah. um, I just bought all this equipment and I had no idea what it was or how it functioned. I just went like a did a Google search and I said, what's all the equipment that I need? So that we can record a podcast. And I, ha- I remember I handed this stuff to you, Wilton. I was like, hey, bro, I don't know how any of this stuff works, man. This is, this is all you. And you looked at it and you're like, and I was like, what? And you're like, well, this stuff isn't all that great. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> you know. And it was it was shortly after that you ended up bringing some of your own personal stuff that you had either through work or that, like I said, was your own personal stuff. And and then I remember when you brought the white box, all of our own mics were able to come okay. in and individually have the feed. And we we're like, oh, that's the hot ticket right there. And now he's yeah. able, you know, we each have our own so you don't have to worry about editing on top of each other. And that was the game changer, too. I remember our audio content was just so much crisper when we were able to be in person and we didn't have the stepping on each other because everything was able to be cleaned up and it was, it was good. Everything, everything was, you know, just so much better and we've all gotten so much better at this.
6: What's been the most memorable thing to date for you?
8: Everything's been so special to me since the beginning.
9: And there's been a lot of stories, but one really one that pops out right now this is just weird, I guess. Uh, Chris, the bailout. I mean, he brought some energy that was different. And, you know, he was happy, he was dancing, he was all over the place. And and it's just that passion that he has. I think that will be one
8: memorable. I'm, one of my favorite things about, well, at least when we were doing our shows in person, you know, is you, you would meet these guests and then you would have like the, the pre-conversations, the post-conversations. And a lot of times, you know, I would find out something about them that I had no idea. They came for LAC stuff and you find something else about them. And it's, it's like, oh my God, I know you from somewhere else, or I've seen you somewhere else. And I remember the episode where it happened in the middle of the episode, we were interviewing Andrew Medina and he's talking about his time with kicks to the pitch. And he's, and we were talking about the first derby and I was in the middle of the episode, I was like, oh my God, you interviewed me. (laughs) <laughs> and you interviewed me, at kicks to the pitch before the first derby. And then it was just this whole thing. It was just, it was such a, a fun experience, you know, that's definitely one of those ones that has stuck out to me was when we had interviewed Andrew and just, I mean, you think about just the number of guests, you know, Vince, obviously the celebrities that have come in, Jaime, or if it was anybody from the front office, you know, but, but even the people that are just the normal guests, how we had Chile. Chili come in and talk about Panatic, you know, those are the early days of the shows, right? When we were just like trying to see if anybody from the community that was a listener wanted to come on, you know, we had Andreas Geck. You just think about all these shows and all these guests that have come on and told their story. And it's, it is, it's just one of those things where that's has been the most rewarding thing for me is to be able to know people. Right. Cause it's like, if you just do a show and you have followers and listeners and fans you may not necessarily know them unless you take the time for those people to come up to you and say, Hey, I'm a fan of your show. And then you start talking, but here you get an opportunity to bring people on, you talk to them. And then those are now people you look forward to seeing when you go to tailgates or see them at the stadium and things like that.
7: Well, I think that's beautiful. And that's a perfect segue into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. And I really kind of want to go around the group here. And we really just, you know, kind of want to highlight some of our favorite moments. Some of our favorite episodes, our favorite guests, our favorite things that have been said on this show. But to stop for just a moment and realize what a feat it is to reach 100 episodes. And I know we're certainly not the first podcast in the LAFC pod fam to have hit the century mark. But when you stop to think about it, there are over 4 million podcasts that have been recorded and published, different shows that are out there on the various podcast platforms but on iTunes it's it's like a little over 400 4.5 episodes or shows that have been out there. 12% of all podcasts only record one episode and then quit. Only 6% make it past the second episode. Average number of episodes so of the 4.5 million podcasts that are out there, the average number of episodes that they reach is 14. 51% of all podcasts that have ever existed have done 14 or fewer episodes. That's pretty impressive to say that we have reached the 100 mark and doing it in a manner in which has been difficult, right? I mean, obviously booking guests for episodes, and we have done numerous episodes without guests, but attempting to do an interview-based show where we've brought a hundred different people from the community on and use this platform as a way to get their voice out there. Makes it all the more challenging for us to book and continue these episodes. And as so many podcasts come and go, the fact that we have reached 100 when millions, literally millions of podcasts have never been able to get past 14, I think is just a statement to the dedication of the four people that are on the show here for you today much love and passion we have for the LAFC community and how much we enjoy hearing these stories from people. Talking to people about LAFC and getting this backstory in a one-on-one fashion with them has been such a rewarding and positive part of my life. And I've heard that from so many fans as well too, that just hearing people talk about their relationship with football, what a beautiful thing that is to listen to. And the fact that we've done this now, you know, into triple digits is really a pretty cool thing. And so I kind of want to go around the room and, and you know, let's just talk about some of our favorite moments, maybe some of our favorite quotes from the show and just kind of get a sense for everybody's experiences that we've had over the course of 99 episodes here on the one hundred.
6: I wanted to add another stat. I just looked up. I think we've been listening to in over 40 countries, which is mind boggling to me. Like, how does how does that even happen? Who wants to listen to us in like Europe or Asia? But I mean, this club has a far reach and some of these things tell us that uh, i'm just humbled that people want to hear us or hear from the community being so far away so it's it's just interesting and happy to be part of it
8: Are any of those recent uh, from turkey i, I, I wouldn't be thinking sure. the same thing i wonder i, if I wonder you know anybody countries now yeah any no. of the fenerbahce no no not 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 uh, no not yet not recently no. got it well we'll have to work on that No, yeah, we have we have Algeria,
6: Morocco, Egypt, so in the region, but not not necessarily Turkey. Anyway, um, yeah, favorite favorite memories, and I can I can kind of start just because when the podcast started, it was taking place in person, like we said, but it was we're recording at my previous home, still in 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 the valley in Rosita, but somehow Chris was able to land via some sort of donation and coax and convince Tyler Miller to come on the pod, which is To me, I'm like, how is this happening? We just started this podcast. And uh, I thought we were very good at that point. That's just my personal opinion because we were still kind of trying to figure ourselves out on the pod. And Jonathan hadn't joined at that point. Neither had Wilton. Not even as polished as I consider ourselves now. And even though we we can still get a lot better, at least that's what I strive for. But Tyler Miller, a starting keeper, the team was like at my house. I was just taken aback by that. So the fact that we were able to get bunch of guests and listeners from that i think people started feeling more comfortable coming onto the podcast thereafter but um it was just an interesting kind of few months after we started the podcast having someone from the club an actual starting player and keeper to join us and you know very humbling very nice guy and was very open which i appreciated
7: that was episode three that was the first guest ever on this show and you landed number one that's that's impressive
8: I mean and honestly if you think about episode one and two like episode one and two like you don't even those don't even have to exist like those could just be like (laughs) ones that 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 you just totally you know can remove and they go into the abyss man like episode one I think was just like an intro where Christian and I that was at my house I think we recorded episode one in my house and it was just like hey who are we what we want to do and then episode two it was just like a preseason preview. Right. I think we might've talked about like a preseason match that we had no access to, because of course we didn't have any kind of media credentials or anything. We were just like, Oh yeah, we, we read this on Twitter and this is, this is what we heard. So really like. Top notch
7: reporting there.
8: Oh man. It's uh you know, a friend of a friend of a friend, but yeah. So for our first like real episode to be Tyler Miller, like when you put that in perspective, that is, that is a little bit uh, crazy how. We just went, we went in big on the first one.
7: All right. So let's go around the table. So we've heard one of Wilton's favorite episodes. We've heard one of Christian's. Chris, give us one of your favorite episodes from early on.
8: Okay. So this is like low hanging fruit in terms of favorite episodes. And I think all four of us have said that at one point that this was a favorite, a one of our favorites. But the whole reason I got into this was because I wanted to be able to have closer access to LAFC and to, you know, be someone who is on an inner circle with the club and just having access to any sort of information that just made it feel like I just wasn't just a normal fan. So to be able to interview Bob Bradley, that to me has been like the peak, the mountain you know, because for a club, right. It's, You know, it's players and the coach, like that's the face of your club. And we've had players, you know, we've had Tyler Miller, we've had Bryce Duke, but to get Bob Bradley, right. And especially with his history, with the U.S. men's national team, him, especially being so candid when we were in the middle of uh, the riots and protests that were going on uh, across our country and him talking to us openly about our leadership in public office, And talking about the things that he saw in Egypt and the correlations there between that to me was such a high, you know, and I remember coming off of that episode and for like the next week or two, I was just like, man, I, I got to interview Bob Bradley. And even today, when I talk to people about the podcast, and I tell them what we do and who they're like, Oh, who are some of the people that you've interviewed? And, you know, I'll start rattling off names. And then eventually I saw oh, Bob Bradley and they're like, you got to interview Bob Bradley. And it was like, for how long? And I was like, oh, it was, it was like a 20 minute conversation, you know, and that's just that one is definitely one of the ones that I just I'm always going to appreciate. And especially because of how Bob was during the interview that just made it that much more special.
7: All right. I guess it's my turn uh, for we'll go around a second time for moment. Number two,
1: there are a
7: lot of episodes of the show that have really touched me. I think the YLP episode where we got to interview both the youth leaders and the graduating leaders, and to see the contrast between the two people who were in the program, and how you could see those life skills, those adult skills manifesting themselves, but you could still see them struggling with some of the things that the program was trying to teach them through in regards to public speaking, how they phrased themselves, how they held themselves, how they talked to us. And then to see them in the process versus the two graduates who spoke eloquently and, you know, had those public speaking skills honed and to see that impact between the two people who were in the program and the two people who had graduated the program. And to know that LAFC had been a driving force behind funding that program and helping get these you know, youth leaders involved. in it was such a powerful experience for me to go down there and witness. And Chris, I know this is a sad one for you, because you weren't able to join us that day. But you know, what Christian and I heard and experienced while we were speaking with those young leaders, you know, again, some of the stuff that that happens when the record button is not read. And, uh, you know, some of those things that they would The experiences that those kids have had to endure in order to get into this program and then graduate, it was was some really, really, really powerful stuff. And I would say that that to me was the most impactful episode that I got to experience. So if we're going to kick it in reverse order here, so we'll do fantasy draft style since that's a popular notion this week, we'll kick it back in reverse order here. So I'll go with my second favorite episode on this show is the one that never happened. And it was the trip to San Jose in which Christian and I... Spent like three and a half, four hours recording with Ray on a bus, drinking beers. And Ray was just going on after story, after story, after story. So much of it content that we probably could have never used on this episode anyway. But it was such an amazing conversation that we had with him. It was like a three and a half hour conversation. And then by the time it was all over, we realized that we had forgot to hit record on the device and it was lost. And somewhere there's a handheld video taken from a cell phone by Christian's lovely wife that exists out there somewhere of the episode that never manifested itself. But just that moment of camaraderie on a bus on a way back from an away victory and just riding that high of a victory and that emotional connection that you get to the people around you when you're on an away day was was such a. Fantastic episode, and yet it'll never see the light of day.
6: Yeah, no, we had a one of those handheld mics that has the local mic, but also has a plug for a wired mic. So I think I I hit record, but hit the wrong setting. I didn't hit the little local mic. I I hit it for the mic cable and mic, and there was no recording. And then we do need to make sure that that video was backed up. And I think the audio was pretty terrible because it was a bus. But still that I am still sad. What well, I'm sad you brought that up, to be honest with you.
7: Oh <laughs> uh, see, Wilton, this this is just paying homage to you, brother, because if you were there, that episode would exist. It would be somewhere in the history of Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. And yet, alas, that episode never happened. All right, let's go back around the horn. Chris, your turn. Fire away, sir.
8: So I was debating between two episodes and I ended up splitting hairs and I couldn't pick between the two that I liked better. So I ended up, I'm going to say both of them. So episode 14, where we interviewed the Luckies, and that was when Christian was on his vacation and Jonathan and I had interviewed sal and breezy and that was a a very cool episode because i felt like when you talk to somebody like sal who had been a football fan for so long and he was ingrained in supporter culture and he was part of the founding people for the 3252 um, and just the history that he had it was definitely an enjoyable episode and it opened my eyes to what football could truly mean in my life because you know I'm still a new fan to football uh, relatively speaking to everyone else who's on this pod and most of the people that are you know the guests that we interview but to know that one day if I continue to be a supporter and to actively support and to go and travel and see my team play that I'll have these memories that are similar where I'm You know, I remember Sal talking to us about how he was on a subway um, in Germany for the World Cup, and he's there wearing his Mexican national team gear. And that, um, you know, they were just having these conversations with these random people, but it was it's what the World Cup brings together for those for those moments that that'll last you a lifetime. So and then of course with breezy talking about you know being uh being a woman in the thirty two fifty two and what that means and and just being able to stand on that capo stand and that was a really good episode that I really enjoyed. The other episode that I really enjoyed was our episode with uh, James Montague, the author of One Three One Two Among the Ultras. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was like a lot of fun, you know, that, that was actually one of our first episodes that was episode 67 and that was during COVID, you know, that was actually right after we did the Dave and Denholm episode where he talked about the, uh, faux traffico, but, uh, I was on a
7: farm in Utah for that episode and you can hear like goats and horses and chickens in the background. That's, uh, as I was visiting family out in Utah Uh, just going out to the farm, getting away from COVID. And so I'm sitting there and there's tractors going by. uh, It was fun. It was great content, though. He was a killer interview.
8: Oh, it was so much fun. And for James to talk about his book that he had just written and some of his previous books and the life that he lives and being able to go and travel around. And he had gotten to hang out with these cultures, these supporter cultures and um, the uh, the supporter groups and, and seeing some of the inner workings of some of the biggest clubs in the world um again, that was just another one because I find I I do I find the supporter culture to be fascinating and addicting and you know those are some of the things that I have since having those conversations with people and being exposed to LFC over the last four years that is definitely something that I have just continued to look into and just try and get more knowledge on because I find it to be so interesting
6: for me, uh, we well, just want to give a shout out to all the supporter groups that have come on it's been. More than a handful. And, and
7: an uh, evil eye to those that have not.
6: <laughs> but another one that, that sticks out to me, still kind of early in the early days, it's only episode six, but it was episode with sticks because that's actually how we got the intros and outro song of, of the podcast. And it just so happened that he was releasing that song in conjunction with LAFC and it was being introduced at the stadium and he was on our podcast and we asked him. For permission to be able to use it and he immediately said yes so very memorable interview in terms of just uh, where he grew up uh, down in Watts and what he's doing in the community and has continued to do so a very compelling story but also just I feel like our podcast just a little bit again <laughs> to, 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 to trend in a, in a in a better direction in terms of how sound um, so I wanted to thank six for sure and also thanks thanks to all the to the sgs have come on
7: all right so hold up a sec here you've picked episode three and episode six as your two favorite episodes now am I supposed to feel a little hurt that you picked both episodes in which I was not here for well, i mean I, bro you had like a 92 percent chance of picking one I was on and you, know, and you went for both in that eight percent here I'm a little you know
6: the, the, the question, at least the way I approached it, is what was memorable? I, I can't stop remembering you. You're always on every one of the episodes.
9: Oh, All
7: wow. right. <laughs> Wilton, Wilton, anchor us, brother. Save us. Um,
9: Another memorable episode, which I had to pick two, is for uh, Lewis, the guy from Leon and also Jay Torres from Los Verdes. The reason why I gave you guys earlier was because how this podcast was able to unite two teams. Instead of becoming a rivalry, I think it just became a friendship.
7: Those are some really, really great moments for all of us. Uh, Sharing this experience with everyone here is just, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is one of the most rewarding, inspirational, fulfilling things that I do in my life is take part in this show and so many of these little cool moments that have touched us are really special. Uh, we're going to close one out.
6: Actually, no uh, episode 10, the, the true number 10 of this podcast, ultra gringo. That's, we that's can't one forget of my favorite. Cause, Cause I've just, I've just building up, man. First, how did we get notor- notoriety? Tyler Miller. Then we got our song and then we got a co-host, right? So we wouldn't be where we are today. Not only just because you're sweet sounding voice and tenor and uh, approach to the podcast and professionalism. But also, I think a lot of the connections in the North End, you've been able to kind of introduce and help us establish and establish some of those roots to be able to do that. So was just messing with you, making sure that I wanted to see how long you would go without saying, what about me?
7: I mean, you knew it was coming. That's funny. You've picked my my second least favorite show, which was the one in which I was on. I was so nervous. (laughs) My first time coming on the show you know i'd been an avid listener of the episodes up until then and you know i had kind of a lot of expectations about how it was going to go and of course it never goes exactly how you plan it when you're speaking about something emotional and so uh you know it was a hard episode to get through there was a really really difficult time in my life as well too as far as the subject matter of what we were talking about and what was going on and that was a really difficult thing to sit in front of a microphone and talk about those things for Thousands of people to listen to on the other side of it was uh, and and for it to exist for eternity. Right. I mean, people can always go back and listen to that episode and 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 sort of tear the Band-Aid off all those wounds all over again. That that was a difficult episode for me to get through. Obviously, the one episode I have never listened to, the only episode I have never listened to uh most memoriam would definitely be partly one of my favorite episodes and partly one of my least favorite episodes that was such a difficult night to get through I know it was important and cathartic for the community and everybody to get together and sit back and listen but that was a really really difficult night to attempt to co-host that with y'all and it was uh that was a challenging one to get through as well too but probably our most impactful episode let's be honest it, even if it was the most difficult for me personally, if I was to, to throw a couple thoughts in there on that one. All right. So I suppose everybody gets a third one. So, uh, um, you know, Chris Wilton, why don't you guys go ahead and give us a third.
8: All right. So my third one, I was just looking through and episode 87, Ben Chi. I thought that that was a great episode. Just Ben talking about, you know, cause at that time that was right after the announcement of, Kim Moon Hwan and uh you know we talked about Ben and his new role we talked about at that time which it's it's still uh an issue but it it was definitely at the forefront of the news was the Asian
7: Asian American Pacific
8: Islander right just all the hate and the the horrible acts that you were seeing to communities the Asian and Pacific Islander communities and I remember uh you know, Jonathan had asked and we hadn't planned it, right? Like we, we weren't even sure if we should have even asked it, right? Like, cause we just, but Jonathan came out and eloquently, like he does a lot of other things and he just tied it in to an actual question that we had for Ben and it, and it was just like, Hey, you know, how can we as members of this community help you and people that might be in your community to be, you know, to help, Fix this problem. And uh I think that it came off very well. I think that Ben's answer was great. And you know, that it's just I feel like during COVID, especially, like even though having our interviews when we were in person, they were the better of the two, right? Of course, having interviews in person are way better than having videos over Zoom. But I also feel like, you know, even though we're farther apart and we're not connected physically. I do think that we had a lot of episodes over COVID that emotionally impacted us. And so it's, it's ironic, I guess, that, hey, we're farther apart than we've ever been when we were recording these episodes. But, you know, we actually are all coming together over something emotional and impactful that's going on in these episodes that is making making us still feel close. And so, you know, thank you to Ben Chi for that episode, because that was definitely one of those ones where you walk away. And, you know, your heart goes out to anybody that was going through any of the struggles of bigotry or hatred or, or um, intolerance. Another favorite episode. Go, you going, going, with the, going with the Jaime Camille, bro? Yeah. How'd you know? Ah. <laughs> Every
9: episode has been very special because er- everyone that had that has shown up to do an episode has talked from the heart, has been real. And, and it's not fake people, you know, because what they talk about is what they're living. I think every episode has been very special, but um, one that really pops up will be Jaime Camille because I expected someone that's going to be like, you know, like, oh, don't talk to me or, you know, because he's famous, like, don't ask me these questions. Or, no, he came up and he was real. He was real with us. He, he was open and... And I think that impacted me, the passion that he has as well for the team, like him and when he was interviewing and I was just over there looking and trying to record him and, you know, with my phone. And it was just mind blowing to see someone famous, you know, they're people like us. And I think that passion that he transmitted in that episode, it caught my attention a lot.
7: All right, guys, I got some quick trivia here for you. So put your phones away. So you guys can all go ahead and take yourself off mute. I got a quick question here. We'll see who can answer first. We have had three double episodes. Can you name the guest on the three episodes that were two-parters?
8: Oh, as in like part ones, part twos? Correct. Oh, yeah, I got this. No problem. Vince, story time with Ray. Correct and uh chris obalador
7: wrong no,
6: that's not a two-parter two
8: that was not a two-parter guess. that oh, okay, was okay then jo- oh joseph 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 zacker joseph, Zacher. joseph ray
7: and uh vince very good very good all right how many total guests have we had on the show
8: well this isn't really fair we just talked about this. <laughs> what'd you say It was 96 christian 97
7: correct Correct. You got to count Wilton, bro. He's been a guest on the show. Oh, Don't my. Be- <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. Oh, that's it. That's all I got. I only got the two. Sorry. I didn't have time to do more.
8: Who is the person that has uh, been a guest host on our show? We've had two. I think we've had two people be guest hosts on our show. The first
7: is Uncle Rich. Yeah. Yes. Who wants to do the second? Someone turned the tables on us and asked us questions. The defender That would be none other. No Larry? our president. Yeah. John Thornton, And Mr. Larry Friedman also asked us questions, I believe.
8: Yeah, that's true yeah. too. That's true. I forgot, I forgot that uh Larry Friedman did. I was thinking John Thornton.
7: Ooh, Thornton. A bonus points, extra credit. Yes. Of extra credit. I think uh we're gonna wrap up the episode with some of our favorite answers to the question shoulder to shoulder. So each of us have selected a few people that are some of our favorite answers to the question, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? And so real quick, we're gonna toss it around the room and just tell me who you picked and why, and then we'll let the episode go ahead and close out with those voices before we hear the words of sticks. But first and foremost, Wilton, thank you for being our guest on episode 100. Thank you for being the greatest sound engineer in the podcasting world. And I have a question for you, sir, Wilton, sound engineer with all his Guatemalenses,
8: Guatemalteco,
7: oh, so the birdcage, Agador Spartacus, uh-huh. Wilton. What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, my friend?
9: Shoulder to shoulder means it means family, it means passion, it means friendship, it means uh, my getaway. Um, whenever shoulder to shoulder with my brother or sister, LAFC fan totally forget about everything um i had experience where with my girlfriend and her dad was going through some stuff and and then we were just at the game you know and then i'm like hey just forget about it for one moment and and let's just focus on the game and let's enjoy the game and shoulder to shoulder um i'm even if you want to cry i'm my shoulders next to you to cry or right, you want to talk about it i'm here to talk about it and That's what shoulder to shoulder means
7: to me. Beautiful. Thank you, brother. All right, gentlemen, let's go around the room. Tell me who are your favorite answers to the question? What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you before we hear those on our way out tonight?
8: So I'm gonna go out and say that uh originally I was thinking of mentioning other people, but uh in talking about all this, I had you know listened to some people's shoulder to shoulder answers, and I had found that the four people that had come on our show from Pride that are associated with Pride Republic, they all gave really good answers. Luke, Paul, Lenny, uh, and Chris, right? I felt like all four of those guys gave really good answers. And I felt like they all spoke about what shoulder to shoulder meant from a very, very unique perspective. And I do think that the inclusivity that LAFC has provided with LBGTQ community. I just I think that it was special, and so I, I I would say that my pick is you know is the the four shoulder to shoulder answers from Lenny Paul Chris and uh, Luke. Uh, for me,
6: I guess for the most memorable one is is uh, Dweezy. I think it had to do with maybe recency bias with COVID, and he was like in his backyard on the dark, but it it took me back to a moment when the bank was open. And uh, I was in the Sunset Club with, with that mechanism, the recorder, that I had finally figured out after that dang San Jose game, where I asked, I asked him that question well in advance before he came on the podcast. And um, uh, it's just one of the more, more, more memorable, at least in the way that it took me back to pre-COVID while we were in COVID, and uh, both really good responses to the question and the, the, the theme is always community and escape bond and uh, there really hasn't been an incorrect answer so i'm just choosing one of the more memorable ones for me
7: so this was a hard question to answer because I, I really had to go back and listen to quite a few of them in order to figure out who i think phrased it perfectly and you know there are 40 different answers to this question that really blew me away. But I have to go back to two 3252 OGs, two of the people who helped galvanize this term shoulder to shoulder within the community. And I have to say, Joseph Zacher's answer to the question was my second favorite of all time. I think he really encapsulated the mood and the feel of, of the phrase really well. And then Hands down, the best one, and, and it's unquestionably the hardest one to listen to is is Mo's answer. You know, another person who just absolutely hit the nail on the head, and Mo had such a perfect tonality to his voice when he spoke. He had such a calming and soothing and sort of sing song way of of speaking, and the way he answers that question, not only are his words brilliant, but the tone, the message to it exactly how he says it was just so meaningful, so powerful and, and just another sad reminder of of how much we miss him. Absolutely. All right, Wilton, you're the man of the hour. Go ahead. Give us your favorite answers to the question. What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? I mean,
9: there's so many to pick for um, what shoulder to shoulder means to you because like I mentioned before, it's just something that it's real and it comes from the heart. So I think, It'll just be really hard to pick one now. <laughs> but I will pick the ultra gringo.
6: Oh brother. That
7: was um yeah, I I uh I really appreciate that, man. That means a lot to me. Thank you. It's it's a phrase that uh is very near and dear to my heart, as as all all of you boys, especially Sound Engineer Wilton. And sir, we'd like to thank you so much for finally stepping onto the other side of the microphone and joining us this evening. And so on behalf of Chris Christian sound engineer, Wilton and myself, we would like to thank everybody for listening to episode 100. Thank you for being with us on this journey. And this is normally where we would pass the mic to sticks, but we're going to pass it to some of you who have had the chance to come on this show and tell us exactly what shoulder to shoulder meant to you before we send this on to Sticks. So thank you all very much for listening. And here's to a hundred more. The name of the show is Shoulder to Shoulder, and it's a theme within the LAFC community. So, sir, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to
3: you? Shoulder to shoulder means that no matter what, we'll be supporting each other. In las buenas y en las malas, like the song says, we alentamos en las buenas y en las malas, which I, I love that, that phrase. I'm probably one of the few supporters that know every single song by heart, all of them. Yeah. So whenever I take you people, I'm like... Uh, you, like Escorpión Dorado, no? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dale, dale, dale Pop Patrol. I'm like, they're not saying Pop Patrol. They're saying <laughs> Black and Gold. Like, <laughs> <to> <laughs> of course, Escorpión is funny. <laughs> but I love that the shoulder to shoulder. I love the community. I'm always following on social media the 3252 and also as well as the LAFC. And I love everything you guys do about you know getting together for the toy drive or getting together for this or getting together for that. And I and I think that's and of course getting together to support our team, en las buenas y en las malas whether we win or whether we lose we're there we're supporting and we are shoulder to shoulder like there's no like independent groups here or independent or we are a better supporter than you are or no we support more than you or we are no. it's like we're there and we all become the 3252 and we all support the team to me the chant that I like the most not, not only because it's fun and it's super is the, the jump for LA football club Ole. I, mm-hmm. adds, that's shoulder to shoulder that's shoulder yeah. to shoulder 3252 seats moving in unison it's like there's that's it
7: that's that's shoulder to shoulder i have one final question for you today mr vice president sure and that's mo what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you
10: it means it is going to sound corny it means the world to me because again it's something that i i think that's really best describes us because we do stand shoulder to shoulder but standing shoulder to shoulder doesn't mean agreeing it means i stand with you even when i don't agree And that's when we're stronger, when we stand together, even though we don't agree. There's things that we've decided that I haven't agreed with, but then I listen to them, and I think that—and they—not they convince. don't convince me. I realize that this is the best for us, so I stand shoulder to shoulder. And they've done the same thing for me, where there's things that I brought up that maybe not everybody agrees upon, but we all stand united. We have a united front. And that's what shoulder-to-shoulder means to me, a united front.
7: What does shoulder-to-shoulder mean to you, sir? Community, ultimately. We
4: are Los Angeles. Los Angeles is us. Um, We stand with the city, and the city stands with us. It's got to be, and when I say the city, I'm not talking about brick and mortar. I'm talking about people. Whether you're in Koreatown, whether you're in East L.A., whether you're up here in Reseda, you see the L.A. logo. You know you're a part of something special. You see it within you, and if a neighbor's walking down the street, you give them the nod because you know you're part of the same family. That's shoulder to shoulder. That That's it. That's key to me. What's up, y'all? This is Kate Kroger from Make Great by Kate, and shoulder to shoulder means L.A. to me, baby.
11: Hey, this is Tom, the LAFC king from the Lucky. Shoulder to shoulder means inclusion to me. We are all one. We are all family. This is
10: LAFC punk. What shoulder to shoulder means to me is just community and unity within our family just it starts at the tailgate actually before that it just we're just family and just that's what it means to me is just shoulder to shoulders we're all one. Thirty two fifty two.
7: what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you
2: shoulder to shoulder means having to not feel bad when you go on long rants about anything to the people who are gracious enough to have you come on their podcast and give give you room to have long rants from a great distance away Shoulder to shoulder, come on, like the most obvious one means like even when you're not together, you feel like you're together, right? Like even when you're not, when you, even when you're restricted from physically being together, restricted from being shoulder to shoulder, you can still feel like you are.
7: What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I sort of go back to what I was saying about feeling seen and not having to hide and bringing your whole self It's not even just that you're welcome that we want that that we want all of you here you don't have to hide anything you don't have to be anyone you're not we want you as you are here whatever stuff is going on in your life whatever stuff you're dealing with like bring it all and just let it go and you know for those 90 minutes just have a ball and let it just let it all like all this stuff that's bottled up, just let it all out, you know, chant, scream, yell, you know, clap, whatever you need to do and enjoy it and enjoy life would say I've never really found a community that has felt as, uh, just openly supportive. And for me, that's, that's what shoulder to shoulder is. You, I don't know you, but you are my brother. You are my sister. And you are welcome. And non-binary
7: dudes as well, too. That's right. What does shoulder-to-shoulder mean to you, sir? Uh,
5: Shoulder-to-shoulder means to me that I'm not in this alone, that I am here with a club, and it's important, and people would go out of their way to look out for my best interests, and I would go out of my way to to look out for theirs because we are connected by this club. It's black and gold, gold blood in your bloodstream. It happened quickly but those that brotherhood and those connections have been firmed up in such a way where those words mean it. I mean, at first it was a slogan, but now it really means something. And, you know, when, when we're on a road trip or we're all together having a beer after the stadium, we are always shoulder to shoulder and we're looking out for each other. That's a really comforting feeling. That makes you feel good and makes you feel you're not alone in this. And that's what makes it important when you're shoulder to shoulder in the good times and you're shoulder to shoulder when you're in the not so great times and you're miserable, but you know, you can share that misery with people. And that's that's really comforting.
7: What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir?
5: Shoulder to shoulder to me means being a family, standing shoulder to shoulder, supporting our team, loving each other, just being there for each other and providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for everybody. Because like I said before, our slogan is everybody belongs. And we believe that. And that's what we want to portray. And that's,
1: that's what shoulder to shoulder means to us. What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? Shoulder to shoulder means that we stand together in terms of how we play, how we support the club, how we're part of a community, how we're part of a city that our vision, not only of football, but um, I know we like to talk about being a force for good. Um, those can't just be words, that's gotta be real. This past year, man, we've been tested. Uh, so many people from the LAFC community impacted by the pandemic. You know, We've got essential workers, we've got people who, who are out doing the jobs that matter most in these really trying times. And the ability that we have to support each other, believe in what we're doing and know that our football, our commitment, our support of each other is always there. So that's what shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder means. What does shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder mean to you, sir? i thought about this, and
12: um, ultimately it comes down to respect. Respect for others, respect for yourself, respect and diversity. The, you know, to go to the games and to put your arm around someone, to give them a high five, to come to a game and forget about life. But at the same time, ultimately respecting everyone that's there. I always felt welcoming. You know, you know, I know you're District 9 Ultra. Every time I go into a tailgate or met them somewhere, I've just always been so friendly in every supporters group, you know? Like, shout out to the Tunnel Snakes who I sit next to now, slowly form, And those Battle homies are in front of me. And like, I can feel like there's the Empire Boys and Expos and Tigers that are all in front of me. Then there's you and the D9U. And then there's the uh, Los Angeles Originals who I met from the original day one, you know? And so, like, and then, I mean, if I missed anyone, I'm sorry, because, you know, it's growing and everything. And so it's just, it's just respect. That's I think that's what it comes down to we're out there, we're enjoying ourselves, we're having fun, and we're trying to be as respectful as possible. You might mess up sometimes, but it's important to have that dialogue. Sorry, shout out to Pride Republic. Can't forget them. Halftime time meet up every five or seven minutes before the last half. You got to come and take that photo meet with them. And, um, and it's just, it just comes down to that. And if it comes to a place where you feel welcome and comfortable and wanted and, and appreciated, then you, know, you give what you take. And to me, that's, that's what shoulder-to-shoulder is.
7: What does shoulder-to-shoulder mean to Larry?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it is the cornerstone or a cornerstone of the club. I think this is an example of it. I think that throughout our history, the way that we have done things together as a community, And whether that's, you know, Rich and I and some of the other folks going over to Dortmund with supporter leaders or, you know, supporters going to Gensler's offices to talk about what the stadium should be, what it should look like, what that experience should be. The way we come together to serve the community for all kinds of charitable causes, the way we come together when somebody needs help. And we talked a little bit about that earlier. And just the fact that people understand that that's what this club is about. If you ask Bob or John or Jimmy Lopez, Julio, Jaime Camille, Colin Hanks, Jordan Harvey, Carlos Vela. You know, everybody understands that 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 is the core of this club. And if you want to get the most out of your experience as part of the club, whether you work at the club, you play for the club, you support the club, whatever your connection and participation is in the club, the way that you will be most fulfilled is to really embrace the fact that you're in it with this wildly diverse and eclectic group of other people and
2: just enjoy the ride
7: what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you sir
2: oh good question shoulder to shoulder to me represents what lafc is and what i mean by that is i think what is unique about lafc is things like this that we can connect i think we cross lines that other organizations don't and i think that's where i i feel like that shoulder to shoulder like i remember meeting supporters before we kick the ball and thinking this is something special. I know Bob mentions it almost every time he has an interview, our players notice it. The connectivity we have and that's where in some part when I say as best I can, how can I represent our city well? I do feel like that connectivity we have with our supporters and our city, that is shoulder to shoulder to me. And that's something that I feel every time I'm around our supporters and the incredible passion they show. I played in MLS teams that were actually decent teams that if we had 5,000 people show up to something, it was like a miracle. And we had people where there was no promise of a player showing up, nothing. It was like a drum circle. And I don't mean to say that, to, but I just mean it was literally like, let's just get together and hang out. We had a found that foundation event where people lining up around Exposition. I mean, it's just... It was a real sense of connectivity from the beginning. And that's what I think of and feel when I think of shoulder to shoulder.
10: What
11: does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? The three Fs, family, foundation, fraternity. We're born into a family, but ultimately we choose our family. Shoulder to shoulder means the people that unite under the black and gold banner, that's family. Foundation, for me personally, and and Amanda as well, if it wasn't for LAFC, we wouldn't be as grounded, we wouldn't know as many people, we wouldn't have as much we wouldn't have had the experiences that we did had it not been for the foundation that LAFC is. And the reason that I mean fraternity is because of the fact that I was in a fraternity. And I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, I'm paying for friendship. No. Fraternity I mean is like we're all bounded together by a, a certain commonality, a certain passion, a certain like brother and sisterhood. I love this club. And That's why, you know, I'm basing it on Family Foundation and Fraternity. LAFC's meant a great deal to myself and to my family because, you know, my co-host, he's born and raised here. I'm not. In fact, I haven't even been here that long. I, I hit four years in March with my wife. If it wasn't for LAFC, I probably wouldn't have had... the the friends that I've had. I probably wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had. I probably wouldn't have had the relationships that I've had. And so that's what shoulder-to-shoulder means to me, the triple Fs, family, foundation, fraternity.
10: You know, the crazy thing about shoulder-to-shoulder, what LAFC has done, and I I look at shoulder-to-shoulder through the lens of LAFC because it really solidified what that phrase means to me. Shoulder to shoulder, when we are done with Jump for LA Football Club, when we are literally locked arm in arm with our fellow black and gold faithful side by side, we're we're sometimes a little winded, sometimes a little sore, sometimes a little drunk, sometimes (laughs) a little out of it, whatever it might be. And yet you look at the person next to you and they're having the same shared experience, right? They're also sore, they're also winded, they're also drunk, they're also whatever it might be. And then I look to our founder's family. All of us that sit in Founders Club, that we're all in the same five-year contract, but we're also in the same five-year family. And we can't wait. And we've talked about it. We've tried to re-up to, like you mentioned earlier, seven or or however many years they want us to re-up to. And there's that family, that camaraderie. And then I look to the guy sitting to my left. And there's nothing in the world that would have brought us together if not for... Founders Club at Bank of California Stadium, LAFC. I I can honestly say that there are five other fantastic people sitting in this room here that I would never have met if not for the black and gold. And so for me, shoulder to shoulder, like we said earlier in the podcast, we talk about the cathedral of the black and gold. This is where we go to worship on Sunday or Saturday or a Wednesday midday, which we hope that never happens again, whatever it might be. (laughs) And it becomes an act of being shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder without ever thinking about it. And to me, that is... What shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder means is going to the bank or going to the burger stand or going to the car wash or just running into somebody while you're shopping in Costco, whatever it might be, and you see the L.A. on their hat and you go, L.A. and they go, F.C. That's it. Or you see the sticker or you see the, the license plate and you honk your horn or you tilt your head the other way. And they get it right, and it, it means the world being part of not just 22,000, but the millions and millions of the black and gold faithful out there around the world. And that—that's honestly what shoulder to shoulder means to me.
2: Hey guys, what shoulder to shoulder is for you?
10: So shoulder to shoulder, to me,
6: is is what this show has become. It's community. It's being able to have conversations with people that, apart from you know our love for LAFC, wouldn't really happen. And just getting okay. to know. Uh, their background, their interests, why this is important to them, how passionate they are, uh, and being to connect, being able to connect in a, such a big city with people from all walks of life. And football does that, and now we have a team that is the fulcrum to do that. Before, it was teams that were not in L.A. So yeah. that's, that's what shoulder-to-shoulder means to me.
8: For me, honestly, what shoulder-to-shoulder means to me is just the way that this community is banded together in good times and in bad. And I think that it's really easy to see a community get together when everybody's sharing good times. It's not as easy to get together when you're seeing bad things, whether it's events like the orphanage events that we did in Leon, or if it's when Jose, one of the members of the 3252 had gotten hurt at his job and it's, or things with Mo, it's seeing the community come together and be there for each other in the bad times Mm -hmm. More so than the good times And, and it's just being part of this family and when you're at a match and the team is scores a goal and it doesn't matter if you know the person next to you you hug and you high five and it is that family feeling that is what shoulder to shoulder has been most significant for me about.
7: To me, I find that living in a big city and in modern society can be so isolating. Mm-hmm. We have such a tendency to go from our car to our screens to our house. We avoid people in public. You know, I don't even know half of my neighbors on the street I live. It's so easy to become compartmentalized. And something that shoulder to shoulder has forced us to do to great benefit is be involved in community once again. And when you stand there side by side with people, you're forced to be involved in their lives. And that creates a support network around you. And it creates a care and a passion and an investment that you have in what's going on a block away that I didn't have before LAFC. And as much as I love this city, I feel way, way more connected to the people in it now because of LAFC than I did having you know lived in California my whole life.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. Showed up, two showed together this R Cold together this R
5: culture Fill the force of a supernova Stay flying that FC Dorsa Hey shopping down to Nicky's Koreatown Town Liddy, Kus so Mommy about to drop her
10: fifth, They want me to stop, but I ain't come to my house, I'll defend that bank.